and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Follow your own risk. <laughs> Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can follow on Twitter as well, at Horizon Matt, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well, at Horizon RT. You can listen to us and subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found, and you can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. And Matt, uh, we are now on part two of the 2020 Fall Fan Forum. Had a had a great discussion for part one. Really appreciate everybody staying on board for that. Now we're back for round two. For more. Now we're back for round two. All right, yes. Uh, so um, without any further ado, let's go ahead and reintroduce everybody, starting with Cleveland State, Craig Jones. Thank you again for joining us. Yep, thank you for having me. All right, wonderful. Uh, Detroit Mercy, Rick Rick Needham, thank you very much again for joining us. Hi, guys, and thanks for hosting us. All right. Green Bay, Kevin Pitleski, I know you're still here. Yep, thanks for having us, Bob. All right. Um, and IUPUI, Jacob. Yep, thanks, guys, and go Jags. There you go. Um, let's see here. Uh, this is where I. This is where alpha, the alphabet escapes me. <laughs> Um, Milwaukee, uh, Brandon, you're still there, right? I am. Awesome. Um, Oakland, uh, Ken, thank you again for sticking around. Hey guys, I'm here. Go Grizzlies. Right. There you go. Um, let's see here. Purdue Fort Wayne, uh, Travis. Yes, I'm still here. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for having me on today. Outstanding. Um, let's see here. Robert Morris, Chris. Chris Capella. Hi, Bob. Hello. <laughs> um, UIC, uh, uh, Joe. Hey, what's up? Still here. Thanks for having me on. And uh, last but not least, at least I think so because I, I'm terrible at this anymore, uh, Nico from uh, represent, uh, Nico Pappas representing uh, Youngstown State. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for having me. All right. I didn't miss anybody because I did that last. I did that during the battle fan battle royale. I felt terrible. In fact, I did it to Travis last time. But they're new. So knew, it's fine. That's it's why I knew I didn't. That's why I knew not to forget you this time, Travis. <laughs> I I appreciate it. You know, Purdue Fort Wayne has usually been forgotten, so that's okay. We we're used to it. So I so I wanted to start this episode out with. Because um, last episode we talked a lot about kind of about the non-conference, about you know us actually having a season. Um, and we kind of segued into you know the possibilities for the Horizon League tournament. I want to talk a little bit more about the in-conference stuff. Obviously, um, you are all very well versed in your own individual schools, so we're going to look. We're, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing some insight as it relates to your schools about you know, kind of your situations and, um, you know, you, are, uh, so Joe, I, I know, uh, I wanted to get to you first, of course, um, because you were, you know, UIC has just undertaken a, um, ha has undertaken a, a coaching change. You have you, Luke Yaklich over there. Um, and we're, and he's coming in and of course there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of players coming out. Um, obviously there was a, there was an influx of graduates coming in. So when, when you, when, when you look at the UIC team that's coming in this year, where, where do you see that? Where do you see you, Luke Yaklich, 
Well, that's you can tell stick. I can, for that, <laughs> You can tell I can do the. You tell you can tell I do this all. I, you can tell I report cop, record podcasts all the time. You can tell. Um, but yeah, uh, so Joe, t- um, when you look at the UIC team coming in this year with Luke Yaklich, uh in year one, what what are you, what are your expectations? Cautious optimism. Uh, honestly, as a UIC Flames fan, it's, it's, I'm a Cubs fan too, so I think they kind of they fall in line with each other over the last. Yeah, over the last. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. It's been rough over the last 15 years. I mean, honestly, just want to see him find a way to get players in that fit his system and to have a brand of basketball where we can see that there is room for improvement. Honestly. Win-loss record, obviously, a coach's first season, is, is you can judge him on that a little bit, but I want to see his ability to bring in quality players, players that fit his system, and for the team to improve. You know, what they are at the beginning of the season is one thing, but I want to see a coach that can have a team that is playing their best basketball as the season comes to an end. So if I can see that, that will give me uh, some uh, encouragement for the years going forward. UIC needs this. I mean, you guys are aware the last handful of years have not been very good, the last maybe 10 years or so. Um, so this is our third coaching change. The last two didn't really go well. Um, the, it's been a holding pattern for the program. So, again, hoping this guy can come in and just show that he can recruit and build, and time will tell. My question for you, uh, when you talk about finding players that fit, you know, his system and all that, do you think, because he's known as a defensive guy, do you think that he will be able to not only find those people, but will that work in the Horizon League, which is more of a run-and-gun league? Honestly, I, I think that the ability to defend the basketball, defense travels, right? So I, I'm a real believer in that. And his ability to bring in players that can buy in on the defensive side of the ball, he will be able to do that. But like I say, when it comes to running and gunning, I don't think because he's a defensive coach means that he lacks in the ability to be able to put an offensive team out there. And obviously guys have specialties, but his assistant coaches and his knowledge of the game, he'll be able to bring in guys that I feel that will be able to, to keep UIC in the run of things. I don't think it's a, another Virginia we got coming here where he's bringing the ball in and you know, running the clock to six seconds left every possession. So I don't think it'll be that brand of basketball, but I'm confident from his reputation and, what he's been able to do just in a short period of time. I mean, there's been a lot of movement with players that are left and the guys he's got coming in. He's been able to get a nice amount of transfers in, quality older guys, and not just the older guys and younger guys. So he seems to have a feel for what he's doing, and I think it will work out. I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. And uh, and obviously, Joe, uh, UIC is not the only Horizon League school that uh, has a new coach. Um, Green Bay um, – has brought in Will Ryan. Link Darner is no longer there. Now, Kevin, when last we talked, because you were part of the Fan Battle Royale Fan Battle Royale in April, Link Darner was still the coach. Now all of a sudden, now he's not anymore, and now you have Will Ryan. So, uh, what what is what is your what are your thoughts on you know on you know where what are your expectations for Will Ryan and in 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 his first year with the Phoenix, I think we actually lost Kevin. I'm pretty sure we might have lost Kevin because yeah, uh, I believe we did. Shoot, wow, that's terrible. I feel terrible bad. timing, but that's okay. I knew it was terrible timing, and I should have. Yeah, I'm looking at the. Actually, I'm looking at the. Oh, okay, fine. You know what hey, it is? 
He's a Green Bay guy, and isn't that? I knew, about- I knew this was going to happen too because we're uh. recording this on Sundays. And uh, Kevin, I know you're a huge Packers fan. Um, go Pack, I guess. I, I I don't have this problem. The Browns played on on Thursday, so um. But anyway, <laughs> um, man. Um, okay, never mind then. Uh, <laughs> he's going to uh, here. Let me help. Uh, he's going to really start to work the uh, inner Milwaukee, uh, the Green Bay, Wisconsin area, and he's going to get his kids in, and it's going to be great. There you go. <laughs> all right, uh, we'll we'll take that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it, it's all it's okay. Oakland is still here. There you go. Um, <laughs> I'm actually, uh, and I wanted to ask this as well. Um. Because this is something that we brought up, we we seem to bring up every year, um, specifically during the fall fan forum, and it's the and it's the question of the in conference rivalries. I'm a big, huge fan of rivalries. I don't know. I never made it a secret. Um, I've always I've always looked at you know I I I, I look at the I, I kind of look I have I mean we started this podcast with you know talking about. You know, this is how this is how Matt has has been brought into our fold because you know our, our first conversation was talking about the Metro series, which I don't know if you know this hasn't gone very well. Ten but, to two. What what rivalry? <laughs> but I mean, yeah, and, and so, but you and I guess that was kind of my aspiration that you know my 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 perennial aspiration that we. <laughs> And, well, no, I mean, you know, I, I for years I've always wanted a Cleveland State Youngstown State rivalry, and I've never gotten it <laughs> because you know because of how massively dysfunctional previous you know previous incarnations of Cleveland State have been. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, at Oakland we we've, we've been waiting for a rivalry for a long time, and we never got it either. But the other question that I do have, then, I mean, and 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 if you look around the league, obviously you got the Wright State Northern Kentucky rivalry that's still kind of going on. Um, how long that's gonna How long that's gonna keep going, especially as we, you know, as Darren Horn gets into, um, you know, gets into the development of his 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 players moving down the line. It's you know that's always going to be a question. Um, you know, UIC Milwaukee. Theoretically, that's still a a rivalry. Green Bay Milwaukee. Who knows? I'm assuming. Yeah, but you know, you you see kind of opportunity. You've always seen opportunities for rivalries within the conference. And now, now that we have Robert Morris and Fort Wayne coming in, um, what are the possibilities for those? Uh, you know, what are the possibilities that we see? in terms of rivalries with them now. Now, if I, and, and I've asked this because I know um, very, uh, a few months back we had John Nolan on uh, talking about kind of as an intro to the rest of everybody with Fort Wayne. And, you know, he did mention the fact that, there, you know, at one point in time when IUPUI and Fort Wayne were in the same conference, there was a pretty, there, were, there was a pretty, you know, there was a there was a little bit of back and forth going on between Fort Wayne and IUPUI. My question would be: Would that get does that get started up again? Um, I'm yes. I'm thinking it will. This is uh, pretty Fort Wayne's representative. I I definitely think it will. Um, and back before I've, IUPUI has always been kind of a rivalry, but back I don't know maybe around 2010, 2009, 2008. 
uh, when Oakland was in the Summit League, that was a big rivalry uh, back when they had Keith Benson. Um, when they would they bring three buses down from the Detroit area, and uh, I mean it was just a really good rivalry. Lots of fans. Seems like it was always a Saturday game in Fort Wayne. So I think you'll see a return to hopefully the Oakland rivalry, but definitely the IUP rivalry. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to be reunited with PFW in the same conference and using my limited power as a leader in the student section. I'm definitely going to push that as hard as I can. The other side of it is Robert Morris, because Robert Morris is, what, less than an hour away from Youngstown State? And yeah. And more to the point, you know, the, and more to the point, the Robert Morris has has played Youngstown State and Cleveland State on a pretty annual or pretty regular basis every year. Um, and I, I look to those schools and I think to myself, OK, well, I see some opportunities there as well. The, like, for example, the the proximity between uh, Youngstown State and Robert Morris being so close together, I see a natural rivalry possibly getting in you know, there, and I even I, I could potentially see a you know a Cleveland Pittsburgh thing going on between Cleveland State and Robert Morris too. I mean, you know, hasn't hasn't hurt in football any, but I mean, totally. I, I think Robert Morris and Youngstown State have played the past five seasons now, and they've basically traded off wins and losses. I think Youngstown State is three and two when those five games uh so they're they're certainly familiar and even cleveland state has been a semi-regular opponent of robert morris too playing some competitive games as far back as like the 2011 season i believe uh so yeah i think i think there's some there's some potential there i think it's going to take the robert morris fan base which is uh not the most robust uh to if we're being honest to take some time to adjust to these new you know what? What you guys make up for, uh, what you guys lack in numbers, you guys definitely make up for in vocalness. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I definitely. Have to, I, I have to say this, um, and, and I, I don't, and this is kind of the first fan event you guys have been involved with, um, as since you've been admitted, been uh, taken part in the become a part of the Horizon League. I, I gotta say, um, I, I have never seen. Um, a a reaction, a positive reaction, to uh, from a fan base as much as uh, uh, joining a new conference as I've seen with Robert Morris joining the Horizon League. I don't think anybody's been that happy to join a conference as I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I don't think Butler was that <laughs> was he was that happy joining the Big East. As, well, I. I, I think I, I there be, are a lot I of exaggerating that a little bit, but I mean, it's true. I mean, I, I think when when you guys jumped on board, and you guys, you know, when you guys jumped on board, um, it was it, it was like the floodgates opened because I, I yeah, like you you said that you know obviously there's there may not be a a large fan base, but you know you guys represent pretty well on social media because you guys you guys found us pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. I, I think for a lot of fans who follow the program closely, like myself and, and definitely some others do, it just felt like it was a long time coming. Uh, they the, the athletic department cut some programs to save money at large uh, back in 2012, 2013 range. Uh, they built a new arena, which was, I mean, desperately, desperately needed. 
And and so it just kind of felt like the pieces were falling in place. And not to mention, you know, the NEC, it's it's not like Robert Morris, you know, ran over that conference every single year. They most certainly did not. Uh, but they they were always one of the top teams in the conference for the most part. They won the NEC again last year. And so I think a lot of us just kind of feel like, hey, this program is is growing and it has some real potential to be something even bigger than what it is right now. And to do that, though, uh, you have to get out of the NEC and you, and you have to get into a different a different conference and one that makes sense, too. And the Horizon League made a lot of sense for for a lot of different reasons. So it was certainly really exciting. So as far as it is, so I'm glad it's so. So as far as, you know, some of the other schools, and I guess I have to ask this question because, again, with all the craziness, I have not yet seen any of the uh, any of the preseason publications pop up. Anybody have any idea if those are out yet? <laughs> with all the craziness, I have no idea, honestly. I don't think there's any anything. Really? Lindy's. Okay. Lindy's is out. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't had an opportunity. Yeah, I know last year I had this big rant about you know how they kept getting stuff wrong, and I can't imagine how wrong they are this year because well, you know, we didn't even know there was going to be a, you know we weren't even sure there was going to be a there was going to be a season. So who knows? I mean, well, I have to say we were kind of me and a couple of other Purdue Fort Wayne fans were joking about Lindy's release theirs. And they have the Don's rated twelfth, which is last, obviously, and. Really? They, haven't, they haven't finished last in the Summit League, which, you know, has many, many more miles of travel. Now, there are a lot of questions. I mean, I'd be pretty devastated if they finished that low. I just don't see it happening. I think they're a middle-of-the-pack team, maybe as low as eighth or ninth, but I don't see last with the coaching changes we've had at other schools, you know? That, yeah, that seems pretty low to me. Uh, again, you know, you know the the preseason prognosticators have been very uh you know have very have been varied it, it have been varied over the years so um as i look at you know and obviously we're going to have our own prognostications hint hint <laughs> um over at horizonaroundtable.com so uh, be on the lookout oh, for that oh i see what you did there Shame. I don't think I did that last year because I don't think we were thinking about doing previews last year. But this year we were definitely doing it. That's right. I'm not screwing around this year. <laughs> um, just yeah, I'm sure John Parker's listening to this. Like, I gotta do all this work now. Ah, <laughs> pulled his hair out. Um, but as far as some of the other schools now, at this point in time, the it it, it appears that. Wright State remains the team to beat on paper. However, I do see the the I do see I do see a team like a Youngstown State that has you know uh, a, a prominent you know you know a prominent core of players. So when I look at Youngstown State. And the progression that they have made under Jared Calhoun, is there going to be an opportunity? Is there an opportunity for Youngstown State next year to take a run at Wright State? Given that you have you know guys like you know Darius Quisenberry and Nasbo Handen coming back, I think so. I really think so. They got to make that jump. I really, I really think they could compete with Northern Kentucky and Wright State. Really, 
That's a good question about Wright, uh, Northern Kentucky, though. I don't know if they – I think – if when I look at Wright, when I look at Northern Kentucky, I don't see – I don't see them having as good a year as they did this year. I just don't see it. I think they, I think they lost too much. We're not talking Northern Kentucky, I thought. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I, <laughs> I counted Northern Kentucky out last year for much the same reason, and I looked stupid, and I admit that because I was wrong about them. So I'm not counting out Northern Kentucky at any point ever again. Yeah, but at the same time, last year you also had Tyler Sharp and Dantes Walton and Jalen Tate. You don't have any of those guys anymore. It's a whole yep. other ballgame. So, um, you know. I'm looking at yeah, so I mean, so I, I I personally would be looking for me at least at a at Youngstown State kind of being you know, playing that uh, definitely if I'm looking at Youngstown State, I'm looking at them at the at the very le- at the very least being the second best team in this conference at this point in time. Yeah, I think it would be disappointing for them, really, with all their guys pretty much returning if they did any worse than second or third in the conference, especially with some of the mix-up between um, the teams in the middle of the conference. So when we talk about so uh, so when we talk about some of the other teams, of course, we have um, and I guess the the other question that I have would be with Oakland. Where you have, you know, that core that is graduated and, you know, Xavier Hill-Mays and Brad Brechting. And you still, but you still have Rashad Williams there. <laughs> and you still have kind of a, you, you still, and, and also, and, and this is important too, that we're at a situation where the NCAA is handing out transfer waivers like candy and, Matt, I do believe that uh, that uh, there's there's somebody over at uh, Oakland that might be uh, might be very helpful to your cause if they get one. Well, and that would be uh, some of fans are, are uh, familiar with, and that's uh, Zion, Zion Young from uh, Western Illinois. If he gets eligible, that a little, I think. But we also have uh, an Oakland fan. I'm going to let them talk about it. Yeah, yeah honestly, uh, I think one of the things that we have going on this year that we haven't had probably the last two years is we're coming into the season and we actually know who we're playing with. Um, you know, before you had the, the mass exodus, um, that kind of left them scrambling. And then like this past, um, you know, this past year, they went into it kind of knowing what they had. And then all of a sudden you looked up and it's like, okay, now we're throwing Rashad Williams in the mix, which kind of, you know, which kind of killed us. So this year, I think from the beginning, we're going in with a core of Rashad Williams, um, Oladapo, Kangu, um, and you know, they kind of guys who know their roles. So I don't think you'll have to go through that power struggle like we did last year. Sure. Um, and we got a lot of new, new guys that are, you know, pretty athletic and get up and down the floor. Um, you know, losing our two bigs who are really good for us, but we're on the slow side, which forced us to play a slower pace of basketball. Um, I think Oakland in the past has been more successful when they've been able to get up and down the floor. And I think they'll be able to return to that. Ken, do you think that uh, Baba Tunde makes the jump, or is he going to get in the way? What, what What do you think his progress is going to be getting into this year? Chris, thank you, okay. I'm praying for the best. There you go. So, um, I, so I, I the other question that I have this, this Rick this this relates specifically to Detroit Mercy because. 
I'm still trying to figure out who exactly is on Detroit Mercy's team. I know they announced a whole bunch of new people coming in. Um, so it, if you could shed some light on who's going to be playing with Antoine Davis next year, that would be awesome. I don't care okay, if he's telling well, us. I keep forgetting. I saw on your agenda who would be a sleeper team in the league, and I think mm-hmm. we would if we can get these uh, new players to uh, gel with the returning ones that we have. Um, Other than the two freshmen that we recruited last fall, we have um, recruited five transfers, and there could be a sixth transfer in December. I don't know if that's for sure. Um, We're going to have... A lot more height. We may end up being the tallest team in the Horizon League with uh, Torian Thompson and Noah Waterman. And uh, we're going to have a lot more length at uh, uh, the number two guard and and at the small forward position than we had in the past. So we're probably going to be seven or eight deep this season. And uh, the the goal is to play uh, Antoine Davis about 30 to 32 minutes a game and uh, have him take fewer shots more efficiently because we'll have more options on the floor. Um, Torian Thompson is a wild card here because he is uh, he was a legitimate top 100 recruit coming out of high school. He had a good freshman year at Syracuse. And then he got some bad advice to transfer to Seton Hall, which I don't know what happened, but the conversations between his mother and an assistant at Seton Hall caused Seton Hall to be uh, disciplined by the NCAA. And um, But Thompson himself is a, a skilled big who can um, make a difference in the Horizon League. You know, for the last... Four years, we've kind of LARPed at center because we, you know, we played a 6'6", 260 guy last year at center and subbed a 6'5", 260 guy for him. Uh, And now it's going to be a much different team. You're going to see Markel Frazier and Matt Johnson probably help bringing the ball up the court and they're big guards. And you're going to see... um, uh, Bull Cole at uh, the wing replacing Marquise Moore. And Cole was a 47% three-point shooter at Cal Baptist last year. Um, and then we've got, in addition to Antoine, Chris Brandon returning, who um, kind of came out of his shell in the Horizon League last year. So we'll be an interesting team. We aren't going to be the same type of team you guys are have been used to playing. And uh, therefore, all you guys uh, complaining about the lack of a rivalry, you better strap your seatbelts on <laughs> because I don't think you're going to be the same team that uh, you're used to playing. And uh, turnabout's fa- fair play and revenge is a dish best served cold. So, nice. Um, Fighting words. That's how I do it. Yeah. Team, which I think will be good. It'll be uh. good for the league. Because no, you're absolutely right, and I think, uh, and and the other, and and I think when you have a player, uh, I guess our biggest con- uh, w- over last season, the biggest concern we had specifically related to Antoine is he was playing. He was basically, it seemed to me at least, he, he was 
I mean, if the the game plan was, you know, defend Antoine and you know let any let anybody else beat you, um, and I don't know, and I guess it sounds like that that's not going to be something that you guys have to worry about this year because you have some more options. Well, that is the goal, and we hope that you guys will still be stuck in your old defensive schemes and double and triple team Antoine, and uh, we'll see what happens then. Because, uh, as I said, we're going to be a much different team. This will be a type of team that, uh, but for the APR issue last year, that uh, Coach Davis wanted to put on the floor last year. And uh, we kind of picked the right year not to be eligible for the postseason. So uh, in the end, it was a... In the end, it didn't hurt us as much as we thought other than in recruiting uh, last year. This year, in the previous season, the last year. And so we're looking forward to this year. And like UIC, we're cautiously optimistic. There's still some variables that need to be solved. And if we solve them, uh, like Mike Davis has at all his other stops, we'll be competitive in the league and we won't be pushovers anymore. And um, you guys uh, will have to take a different view of us. Hey, Rick, gun to your head. Is this Antoine's last year in the league? No. <laughs> you think okay. he's going to finish it out? Cool. I'm just, I'm really curious. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. I, I, think, he'll, I you... think he'll stay four years like uh, Steph Curry did at Davidson. Hmm. Interesting. Rick, I'm glad you mentioned defense because the one team that pretty much defended their way into a bunch of wins was Cleveland State. And I guess my question would be, where, where now that Dennis Gates has had an opportunity to fully recruit, what are they looking like next year? Uh, well, this is the first year since uh, Anton Grady and Trey Lewis played for Cleveland State that I think they've got a pretty good shot of finishing in the top half of the conference. Um, I mean, last year was such a surprise. Nobody thought they'd win any games in the league, and they came out and finished seventh. Um, It was was a fun year for the team, and really they're only losing one major player, uh, one major rotation player from last year, so they're pretty much bringing everybody back. Plus we got Dennis Gates' first first real recruiting class, and there's there's a couple real interesting players in there. Uh, We got a high-scoring division uh, junior college transfer, and then a high-scoring freshman coming in. And if You're referring to Demoy Hodge and Alec Oglesby, presumably. Yep, yeah, Demoy Hodge and Alec Oglesby. And Alec Oglesby actually enrolled early last year. He could have played. He's essentially a redshirt freshman for him. And if those two guys can give the Vikings a, a little punch on the perimeter, which they were so desperately lacking last year, um, they could open up the inside for guys like Al Eichelberger, and that offense might really get going with the defense. Uh, so it, it's an exciting time to be a Cleveland State fan, I think, and um, I think they're going to have a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to add, how important is it that they they were – because I, I know, Craig, you and I have had so many, so many conversations about transfers, so many, so, so many. How good, how great was it that Al Eichelberger didn't transfer, didn't grad transfer? Well, I think that says more about the coach than anything. I think we got a guy 
who the players like and they want to play for. So um, I, I think uh, Cleveland State's in a good spot right now. This may be the first year in like recorded history in the last five years at Cleveland State where I'm like wasn't you know fretting about people the, some mass exodus that seemed to have, seemed to have been an annual tradition at Cleveland State. Uh, thank God it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's br- yeah, nice, nice. I talk about a sigh of relief. Um, the so so Jacob, I want to talk about IUPUI because you know we we've had you know I, I'm sure you've you've listened to the show uh, you podcast multiple times and we we've had we've had many things to say about where IUPUI is at. They are very interesting this year because you got you now have Byron Rim in. He's they, they, I guess they knocked the interim tag off of him, and more to the point, he's got his he's got his core guards back. He's got Jalen Minette coming back. He's got Marcus Burke coming back. He's got Elijah Goss coming back. They don't seem as bad as I think they were that I initially thought they were going to be. You know, at, once the season ended. Well, how about this? We won't be worse than last year. <laughs> we're, we're definitely no, we're going up. <laughs> we're going up. Uh, but that means we should still be able to beat Oakland twice, right? That's true. <laughs> I, I don't know how often you listen. I never talk junk about IUPUI because despite how bad your year was, you beat Oakland twice. So I, I, oh, I that, nope. that might be my favorite thing. We won three games, and two of them were against Oakland. I can't explain it, but I won't touch that. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, now that you, but now that kind of the mystery, and it was always kind of a mystery as to what was going to go on with Byron Rim, because as, as I understand it correctly, you know, there was a search going on as soon as Byron Rim was named interim in last August. There was a, a, there was allegedly supposed to be a search going on for a new coach, and then you know, when COVID hit, the entire IU system had you know put put on a hiring freeze, which included by you know which included the coach at IUPUI, mm-hmm. and and he always and even before then, you know the the way that he the the way that him and his staff were operating, they were under the it seemed like they were on the full running assumption that they were going to be in charge next year because they were out there recruiting. As if nothing, as if they were going to be back next year, and I don't know if that was a gamble on their part, but it clearly paid off because he's back next year. Not yeah, to it was mention a very that, strange it, March. It really it was, and we really, and honestly, because of how many players at IUPUI could have potentially transferred. It just, without without losing any eligibility because you know you had a lot of you have a lot of grad transfers potential mm-hmm. you could have had a, a lot of potential grad transfers um, and and even with Jalen Manette you you know there was always the specter of him potentially transferring as well and then you know when it's all said and done you only had Grant Weatherford transfer <laughs> yeah when when Grant Weatherford went it was kind of like oh no here we go and then nothing else happened and now we're sitting here and. The only guy we've lost of our starters was Grant Weatherford, and we've got Mike DePersia, who's not a huge uh, drop-off, I don't think, uh, and he can kind of slide right into that role. So I I think we will we'll definitely be improving. I don't – I'm not so sure about the coaching still, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, it is so just that- a one-year deal, so – 
It is just like, a one-year deal. Not a lot of confidence. So that is interesting that they did that. That is interesting that they did that because that doesn't make any sense to me. They just yeah. did them on a one. Is it, is it because of is it because of how everything went down with the pandemic that they just decided oh we're just going to do this for an extra year? I mean, that's uh, you know year by year contracts for you know be- men's basketball coaches are almost unheard of. So that's a little con- that's very strange they would go down this path. Yeah, my theory is that we're uh, waiting for Link Darner to not have to buy him out, and then we'll hire him next year. <laughs> Aha, yes. I, I know we mentioned Link Darner as a possible IUPUI coach. Uh, that's, that's an, yeah, I didn't think about that. I haven't thought about that for a while with everything else going on. Yeah, that's true. Um, the one other thing I wanted to ask you guys, obviously, we talked about, um, we talked about um, kind of the, the dynamics within the conference. Obviously, you know, right state. And by the way, I got a message from Banana Man. His uh, Mathis Amadon, unfortunately, his his job called him in at the very last minute. So, his, you know, thanks, job, for denying us Banana Man. Um, <laughs> the Is his job as the banana, because I'd like to imagine he's like spinning a sign <laughs> in the banana costume. <laughs> You'll have to ask him that. <laughs> um, but in any event, the. Um, you know, the bottom line is you have Loudon Love, who's still there. He, you know, he's gonna be the odds-on favorite to win Player of the Year again. You have Antoine Davis, who you could make an you could certainly make an argument for Player of the Year, especially if Detroit does well this year. But when you look around the league, are there any other individuals who might be able to play spoiler? Like, for example, if I'm looking at Robert Morris, AJ Brahma sitting there. Um. Do we see a potential for a possible spoiler for player of the year? Or is it just a two-person race at this point? Rashad, Rashad Williams at Oakland. There you go. Yeah, he had I, a fantastic back half of the year. I will be very so. interested. Yeah, I will be very interested in seeing what Rashad Williams does with a full season. And I could I could take a minute to talk about Brahma if if you guys would yes, like that. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, because uh, well, again, we're not very yeah since we're not very familiar with yeah with with AJ Brahma. And I know he's he's been a he was a very uh, he was a very key piece for your for the success of your team last year. So the fact that you guy you have a guy of that caliber coming back, um, it probably should intimidate the league as a whole. He's he's a uh, one of those one of those nice finds for Andy Tool and the Robert Morris staff. He was playing junior college in Wyoming, uh, okay. so he's in the second of his final two years here at Robert Morris. Uh, extremely bouncy, uh, just a top level athlete on the basketball floor. Great rebounder. Uh, he has a pretty good mid range game, but he, sometimes he falls a little bit too in love with it uh, when sure. he's when he's getting going early. Um, so. He, he he's just really an incredible athlete. His game is based on his athleticism, really soft hands around the rim. In terms of player of the year, you know, he wasn't a first team all NEC guy last year, so I don't know how realistic it would be for him, you know, to make the jump and then win player of the year 
in the Horizon League, but uh, he's he's just one of those guys that that is a winning basketball player. He's going to do a lot of those little things for Robert Morris, along with you know leading the team when he's really going and scoring. Uh, so he he's certainly a really exciting guy. They also have a point guard uh, Dante Tracy who's going into his junior year, who who really in the ten years or so I've been following Robert Morris, he made the biggest jump in improvement I've ever seen from a player from his freshman to sophomore year. He he is uh, turned into a really, really great three-point shooter, shot over 40% from three-point range last season, great off the dribble, uh, great uh, squaring up off of a screen and a pass. So he's a, another dynamic player. So it's really going to come down to to those two guys to lead Robert Morris. A lot of, a lot of the emphasis is going to be on them. They lost their best three-point shooter, Josh Williams, last year. So they're going to have to fill that hole. And this was a team that kind of lived off of their three-point shooting and, and their ball movement to create that three-point shooting. So it will be interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, one last question. I know I said this was the last question, but the, the one last question I have, it's a, it's a question I have every year. It's a question I that just lingers in the back of my head only because, you know, I followed this league since forever and ever and ever. Um, but... Is are we ever going to get to a point where the Horizon League is is a can get that second bid? Are we going to get to that point? And if we we are going to get to that point, you know, where where do we see that happening? Or do we see that happening at all? I, uh, me chiming in here. I just I think the landscape is a little different than it was in college basketball when Butler made their big jump. And I mean, they're in it. Not that they're not. There's not schools in a big market, but Butler is a little different than most of the schools I think are in the Horizon League right now, as far as you know, getting those guys to be able to go out and and compete for two you know national titles in two years, basically. Uh-huh. I don't know that I see a second bid even happening, but you know, there could be a, an outlier year where you get that. It just I don't see a team that you could just pick. Like, I think they're going to go do this this year or next year. But, you know, I, I've been wrong before. Yeah, I think right now with the Horizon League, if if we're going to have a team that's good enough to get an at-large bid, they're probably just going to win the, um, the tournament outright and get in that way. So I think we're still pretty far away away from getting – two teams in the conference into the NCAA tournament. I guess if you just look at the, at the Kempom conference rankings for, if, if you take it as you will, uh, I, obviously that's not the end all be all. Uh, the horizon league was, was 22nd out of 32 conferences last year. So, uh-huh. and, and, and in a uh, conference like the a 10, for example, was ninth overall. So there, there's certainly a long, long way to go to get to that point. It could happen. I, I don't know the conference very well. Obviously, it wasn't that long ago uh, that the Horizon League, you know, had some had some outstanding basketball teams in it. Uh, but it does seem like it's a little far off in the near future. You're going to need a team in the top 60 to yeah. uh, do it, and um, from the regular season. And I just don't see how we're going to do that uh, playing mainly a league schedule this year, maybe in 21, 22, if we would upset a power. This year is so wonky team. that it would be not realistic this year. But, yeah, you're probably, you know, 
2021-22. And again, I'm looking at it from a perspective of you have all of the, you know, the 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 conference as a whole. If you look at, and I'm looking specifically at the from a coaching standpoint, where you have kind of a youth movement going on on a coaching wise, a bunch of young hungry guys, and they're all, you know, that that are really in intent on competing. And I think maybe, maybe not this year, obviously this year is a whole weird year, but in years in the future, given the competitive, we're, I'm hoping that, you know, the competitive nature of this youth movement we got going on in the, the Horizon League is kind of a springboard for something to come. But that's just me. So... With that said, um, I'm going to go ahead and close out this uh, second part of the Fall Fan Forum. Folks, I really appreciate everybody's participation. You guys did a great job. As always, I had no doubt in my mind that would be the case. Um, you're all credit to your individual schools. No doubt about it. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and close out the episode. As always, you can find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe. You can find them on HorizonRoundtable.com, and you can find them on your Amazon or Google devices as well. So as far as we're concerned, the regular season is on, and thank you for listening. We look forward to talking to you soon. Go Grizzlies.